this video, myself, Bone Bridger, who has quite the YouTube following, and the people's champion, Tim Collins, will tell you if DC and Warner's newest offering, Blue Beetle, is worth your hard-earned dollars to see in theaters. The Flash opened with 55 million, Shazam 2 recently opened with 30 million, even The Suicide Squad, which debuted simultaneously with its HBO Max straight-to-streaming release, was able to scrape together 26 million domestic. Blue Beetle's opening so far is at 25 million. This film will most likely be DC and Warner's third straight massive box office flop. And with Aquaman 2 on the horizon, it most likely will not be their last. Is the damage to DC's reputation even too much for James Gunn's 2025 DCU overhaul to overcome? Yeah. <laughs> you said it. All right, we're good. You know? We're done. We're done. <laughs> the damage has been catastrophic. There's no denying that. This is coming from someone who absolutely adored Man of Steel. Mm. I will defend that film to the day that I die. A lot of Superman purists hated that film. They thought that Superman was too doom and gloom, too much like Batman. Why is he moping around like this? Why is he breaking Zod's neck? Superman would never break Zod's neck. Rewind 30 years ago, and he picked Zod up by the hand and threw him into the abyss. But everyone seemed to forget about that. Great old Christopher Reeve did that. To me, it felt like, given the circumstances, he was dealing with that situation the best way he possibly could have. I digress. There has been a lot of damage to the DC Universe after that film. Batman versus Superman. Greatest example. What does that mean? Why did you say that name? Then after that, Justice League was... Pretty big disappointment. Then we got films like Birds of Prey, The First Suicide Squad, complete and utter disaster films. This new DCU, they have really good in intentions behind it. James Gunn is, is leading the helm, leading the charge. Brilliant mind in the industry. Is it going to be enough? Is the first DCU film going to be a flop? Is the first three DCU films going to be a flop? What is the first DCU film? Like that? That's my biggest problem right now. If this was just James Gunn came out here and said, hey, we got Shazam 2 already done the books. We got Flash, all this. It's going to come out. And then when that's over, I'm starting my thing. That's just it, period. Clear cut. There's going to be this era and then there's going to be a new era. But that's not what it is. Some people are staying. Blue Beetle's technically the first character. He might stay. They said Ezra might stay, which that statement, like my brain flew off. I was like, what are we doing? And, and I think that that's a problem is confusion is an issue like like you can't have the normal fan like yes i will take the time to seep through and try to understand what's going on but a normal fan might just be like well this doesn't matter and if it doesn't matter why am i gonna spend money on it even if superman's great it's gonna have to climb up a hill right now the confusion out there is really to the average fan it's making things so difficult to follow. This film that we all just saw, they tried to leave open-ended enough so that if we wanted to, and if the reception is good enough, and if the critics don't just ream against this movie enough, we could keep this one around as, as maybe something that's part of the, the new DC universe moving forward. They made very vague references to the DCEU, but not hard references to the DCEU. There were no cameos. There were no, there were no things. They, they mentioned the characters. They mentioned the places, 
But ultimately, this is something that could have been, if there's enough of a clamoring for it, then this one could have been the first new DCU movie. So that's kind of the thing that just makes things so confusing is then you get into a situation where people are like, well, I, I don't know which characters I like. I don't know which characters I don't like. And they introduced this, this whole idea of multiple universes with the Flash movie. And for some reason, they're beholden to trying to keep Ezra Miller around. I don't know if they're trying to avoid lawsuits or what's going on with that whole thing. But the creative people that they had in charge of the old DCEU just made some boneheaded decisions and they never recovered from it. They needed to do a clean break and a fresh start and they wanted to recoup some production costs. And as much as I understand that, you can't have your foot halfway out the door. You either have it right. out the door or you're still in in the building. <laughs> it's one way or the other. And that's that's kind of what they're trying to do. They're trying to recuperate costs. They're trying to kind of sort of leave the door open because they've got characters that people want to see and they've got actors that people want to see. And I understand all of that. But at some point, you just got to say, let's make a clean break. It starts from point zero right here moving forward. And then it'll be less confusing. You'll have the right creative people in charge of everything. And then you won't have to worry about all this nonsense. That's a well, great point. The tax breaks and stuff they could have gotten instead of this mess. Regardless of Blue Beetle, what they wanted it would have saved them money to, t to shelve it and take the tax break, but they didn't want to let go of that. Like they, like you said, they wanted to just eke out some more money and instead they they're going to lose seven, $800 million. Every bit of money that Barbie makes this year will be negated by DC. Warner brothers just burned pure profits by releasing these movies. At the end of the day, the damage to their reputation, the further mm -hmm. damage might be mm -hmm. worth more than, any little bit of recuperation they could have gotten at the box office. And I'm also not a studio exec, so I don't know how these things work exactly, but you got to think, like you said, I mean, they took the tax right off for Batgirl. Let's start off with this. Blue Beetle, I thought was a good film. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I, I think it's just kind of, uh, but I don't hate it. When I compare it to a lot of phase four and phase five for the MCU, I actually like it a lot more than some of that stuff. But yeah. I mean, I'll say yeah. this, okay? Let's just say these are my expectations, okay? This is this is sea level right here, okay? And then right here is like the ocean floor where the whale dung and the dead fish gather, okay? And Secret about, invasion, those about things, 50 yeah. Feet below that is where my expectations were for Blue Beetle. The fact that it wasn't making me want to gouge my eyes out and jump off a balcony means that it was a win for, for DC in my mind. This is a character that nobody wanted to see. This is at a time for the studio that is absolutely abysmal because it's an abandoned continuity. Basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, you know, let's go out there and, and give these people just a, a solid standard superhero film. And I actually texted Jonathan. I said, these are like the five things I expect out of this film. He's going to be in love with a girl that's too good for him. He's going to find some kind of a trinket that gives him superpowers. He's going to have some kind of little montage about learning how to use his superpowers. There's going to be some kind of corporate villain, blah, blah, blah. And like all that stuff came true. It was like they put in the blender how to have a superhero movie and then it just came out the other end. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't bad because we we love those movies. That's why we're here talking. But at the end of the day, was it like this earth shattering universe saving thing for DC? No, it, it was not. If they were wanting to leave this vague enough for this to be something that could that they could build off of, hoping they could catch lightning in a bottle, I don't think it quite did that. But it also was not a terrible movie. Fast and the Furious always talks about how important family is. Han was my family too. But what's real is family your family <laughs> but this film really showed you why family is so special 
I'm really about that. I like films that show you why things are special or important instead of telling you about it. I also appreciated how they paid homage to the original. Well, actually, he's the second Blue Beetle, Ted Kord. I thought that was really cool. Some films don't do that. Wakanda Forever comes to mind. You know, when Riri hit the scene, she didn't really, there wasn't any real mention of Iron Man. So that was appreciated. I am married to a Filipina, so I know how important Vic's Vapor Rub is in their culture. And they use it as a cure-all for everything. So it was really funny to me to see the Vicks Vaporub used in the film in that way. My wife gave me a big nudge to the shoulder in the theater, too, whenever that <laughs> came about. I can definitely agree with what you're saying there, Tim. And I can see that. It, it is almost like you took Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, put it all in a blender, and just kind of gave us this origin story. I can see that argument. I don't know. I just really found myself appreciating it. I'm not saying that it was, you know, earth shattering or anything like that, but maybe that's where we have gotten ourselves to as comic book movie fans, because we've gotten the secret invasions and the eternals that movies like this, that don't make us just pull all of our hair out. What's left of it (laughs) is a win. I think that's true. And I think I see why people enjoy this movie more than I did. Like I totally get that. And when you're so, deep into all of this it's hard sometimes to step back it's why a lot of rotten tomatoes reviews are bad because every critic on rotten tomatoes watches every movie even the ones that they shouldn't because they're just not for them and it's okay with movies not being for everyone until they get to this level i think and i think this is where it's the problem is if dc is going to release a major studio film in this universe it has to be geared more towards for everyone and i think they messed up with two things one the confusion over where this movie mattered. I think that that kept people from seeing it. And especially James Gunn saying, well, we might keep him. We'll have to see how it does. That that was a problem, I think, there. And then the second thing is I just think that the way they promoted this movie and the way people talked about it almost alienated the mass amount of audience. Like it was so focused on it's culturally important, which is great for a, most movies. But for a big studio film, it should just be, this is really fun. You should give it a chance. Like, here's our trailer. Go go try it. You might enjoy it. But when it becomes about something like that, I think that that's where marketing, it kind of failed the movie. Because the movie, I totally get why people would enjoy it. But there was all this just junk going into it. Like the director's comments and things like that. Like heading into the movie, I had all this stuff up here that I couldn't remove. Whereas, I mean, I hate to say it like this, but Shazam 2. It was bad. I really didn't like it, but I didn't go into it with all the negative. I came out of it with the negative, but (laughs) I went into Blue Beetle with negative, like in my mind, and it probably affected it for me. I think that's the world that we live in today, unfortunately. I was expecting to be so offended by the Batman is a fascist line in the film, but after knowing the character of Uncle Rudy and really Mm -hmm. coming to appreciate that character, I get his perspective. That's just the character's perspective in the film. I don't think it's a grand statement from this film, like saying that, oh, Batman is a fascist. I think that these days, especially in the social media age, we can all be guilty of this. I've been guilty of this in the past before, where we cling to certain things that could or could not be taken out of context. And this Batman is a fascist thing was kind of one of those things. So it's probably something that at the end of the day, the director was tired of hearing questions about it over and over again because it was in the first trailer. Maybe the director was like, you know what? (laughs) Screw it. And he probably just gave a piece of his mind. But like you said, at the end of the day, that was that negative connotations, I guess you could say, that was associated with the film. 
for better or for worse. Like I said, at the end of the day, I didn't have a problem with it in the film. If you know the character of Uncle Rudy, who was hilarious, by the way, one of my favorite comedic relief characters I've seen in a year or so in comic book films. Everybody knows my opinions. If you've listened on having these comedy actors come in and, and do these these roles, I, I'm not a fan of it. I never have been a fan of it. George Lopez, I, he did as good of a job as he could. George Lopez, like every other comedy actor that comes in, is not there for his acting chops. He's there to give a little bit of gravitas to the movie for an audience that might not otherwise go see it. I understand exactly why they did it. Crazy Uncle Rudy, that, that made that made the Batman comment definitely more more tolerable because he made several statements about a lot of things that were that were way out there. So yeah. it's not like it was a big push that they were trying to do with the movie. But I will slightly disagree with you here, Jonathan. I, I feel like as big of a thing as they were pushing with the family makes you strong kind of thing. And I think that was a that was a really big push for them in this film. This is probably why I hated it. But the crazy family just reminded me so much of Kamala's family from Ms. Marvel. And I just could not get that out of the back of my brain that this is just like Kamala's family. They're just this crazy, this crazy overbearing family. I know some people might think it's funny, but like the Rambo Nana and the bug farts and all that was just like, come on, man. Like, what, what, are, we, what are we doing? Are we seriously going to try to push that kind of a thing into this storyline. It just did not really land for me. They were trying to sell the idea of family, and I get that. I don't have friends. I got family. I always try to say to myself that I have to suspend reality to a certain degree in these movies because I'm talking about a guy that found a mechanical beetle and became a superhero. I get that. A lot of that stuff to me just was way out in left field and really left the movie, in my mind, just kind of... It, that that's the kind of stuff that I just did not care for in this film. There was one part with Uncle Rudy that really broke me and I could not get over it. And maybe this was too much of the real world coming in. So at the beginning, the family's struggling. They need money. They're going to lose their house in the shop. And Uncle Rudy is driving a, a really nice Toyota truck. Tacoma. Yeah. <laughs> that is cash money. So yeah. now, whatever, lease, I okay. But sure. never once was that truck offered up as a sacrifice for the family. And it would have made sense because he loved the truck. So it would have been like he's willing to sacrifice it. That would have been really compelling. Like I'd have been like, oh, that's cool. That's a good family moment. But no, not one time was that like on the menu. And I don't know why that stuck with me. How much oh, money yeah. did he sink into all those gadgets that he had too? I mean, it's a $50,000 truck. Oh. Even used a Toyota Tacoma without all that stuff is 36 <laughs> to 40 right now, minimum. So my brain was like, oh my gosh, that truck is worth so much money. And it's got stuff done to it. Okay, it's worth 50, 60, I don't know. So that the dad though, I will say this. The one part of the movie is when the dad is on screen, his scenes are awesome. The the dad yeah. and his like like when they're talking in the backyard or front yard, that's awesome. I, I think they did that really well. And when the dad is removed from the family, the emotional moment hits. I li like that's good. But then, like you said, it goes into the wacky rampage moment at the end. Whenever he's trying not to hurt anybody, his family does not care. Like they're just delete, 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 smash yeah. the Beatles over and over. Dad was great, though. I will say that my favorite part of the movie was any time the dad and son talked. It was nice to see like a quality dad in a superhero film. Like he was a good dad. Like that was nice to see. What did you guys think about the the actor? I, I can't. What's the guy's name that played Jaime Reyes? Does anybody know the that? guy from Cobra Kai? That's all I know. Okay, well, what did you guys think about Jaime Ramez? I thought he did a really good job. 
I think overall the acting in the movie left a lot to be desired, but I do think that he did a very good job. I do think that the dad was fantastic, as you mentioned there, Bone. I think that the big thing for me is that some of the actors that they got, it doesn't feel like they really utilize the resources well. I've seen Susan Sarandon just pour her heart and soul into a role before. And this was just one of those. This is just the classic example of somebody that thinks that these superhero films are just silly kid films. And that's kind of how she acted the whole thing. You know, like she, she was act- holding it in. She, acted she got her this, payday. <laughs> she almost she acted this almost exactly like she acted her Disney villain role from Enchanted, where it, it's just like, oh, this is just for kids. I didn't buy any of her motivations at all. She did not sell me as the big time corporate maniacal villain like Lex Luthor. She didn't sell me that at all. And that's who she was supposed to be. She was supposed to be this person that wanted to take over the world with all these mechanical armies and all this. And probably the most underutilized asset in the entire film was Harvey Guillen who's a big name right now because of what we do in the shadows. He's a huge name right now. And they gave him just that one little speech at the end before he dies. And that was it. Okay. That, that, that was it. And then uh, other than that, they, they use him for absolutely nothing. So I feel like the cast itself was good. They didn't utilize their resources well, but they just didn't have the director get the most out of them, I think. But I think that the lead role was very good. I think the sister was pretty good. And then I think the dad was pretty good. The rest of them, I didn't really buy it. So that's just kind of where I was on the acting. I get yeah, behind he... you on, on Sarandon. I, I agree with that. I think that her performance was forgettable at best. The family, I thought, was definitely the highlight of the film. I really enjoyed George Lopez. I thought that you know his portrayal of Uncle Rudy was fun. I think the best thing about the film, somebody mentioned this earlier, was the fact that we didn't get any Wonder Woman cameos or we didn't get any... Henry Cavill as Superman cameos. It felt like it could very much be a standalone thing if it needed to be. There's some irony that like the things that would have made this movie good were either underdone, like they didn't use what they could have used. They didn't tweak a few things, but also the timing of this movie coming out. You, you talk about the wrong time for this movie to come out. Post The Flash, this era is over. And, and they released this movie right after that debacle, which is going to go down in literally cinema history books on how to fail at the box office. I think that this movie should have been, and I hate, I hate this. I, I'm not a fan of the streaming, but if you were going to release this, you should have saved the marketing budget, put it on max and 70 million accounts would have seen it front and center. And at least you would have gotten that reaction. And I know people like going to the theaters. You could have still done a weekend or two, but the marketing budget's going to really cause this a problem too, where like you tried to market it in an era where people are still hung up on Henry Cavill. Like that's, that's still a thing. We're still looking at these projects saying, so he gets to be in this. Henry doesn't like, uh, like you're going to keep Ezra maybe, but Henry can't like, he's the bad guy in real life, the way he talks, but Ezra commits literal crimes. So I think that the audience is very angry. And the one thing blue beetle didn't do was it didn't bring fans back. Like it doesn't like reignite that. Like, even though it's like, there's going to be people that love this movie and I totally get that. And I respect that. And that's awesome. But if you're DC, it just doesn't make sense. Like, like yet you want to release it, but I don't know if you could have done it right though. Maybe streaming wouldn't have worked either. You still going to lose money. At least with Aquaman, you know, the original film did make a billion dollars, but I got news for you. This, this new Aquaman film, (laughs) there's no, is going to be lucky 
to break even at four or 500 mil, whatever it takes to break right. even for that film. Yeah. Typically in my brain, when I think about what you're saying, Bone Bridger, I'm always thinking like, well, yeah, but they did spend maybe a hundred mil, maybe even 150 mil just on marketing, but it might've been worth it if they're going to make 300, 400 True. mil. But there's also the possibility that this film doesn't make more than 250 mil like The Flash. Right which is oh, one of the man. biggest, most epic box office flops of all time in the superhero genre. Worse than Indiana Jones. I still haven't seen it. I you, planned you're on living it. a good life. Yep. You've made I, wise I still haven't seen it. DC is like my original nerd fandom, okay? DC is where I became a comic book nerd, was through Batman and through Superman and through The Flash and through all these. For me to not have seen the flash movie essentially just because i heard you don't want to see the flash movie that's not good for dc that's the kind of stuff that they're just not going to be able to overcome until they just kind of make a clean break and move on i don't know that they're listening to their audience enough to do that i think that they're listening to to, to whoever they have behind the door saying no that we rather than make a clean break we need to kind of make this fuzzy transition to kind of try to recuperate and try to i, I don't know what it is i think a lot of it is based on they just don't want any kind of backlash from anything political if they had decided to nix some of these films would it be because would of, it, you're you know, absolutely right would it, would it have been a good look to cancel the batgirl with a diverse sure. female character and then right after that, canceling Blue Beetle. You're right. Maybe that wouldn't have been a good look. Putting the axe on Ezra Miller saying he's absolutely not going to be part of this universe. I mean, there's there's all kinds of things where you could see the potential uprising from a certain, a certain mm -hmm. level of the fan base that says, hey, that's not fair. Whether or not that's how a studio should make a decision is up for debate. I don't think it is, but that's how it appears they're making their decision. Yeah, out of fear of, of what could happen if they don't. And Jonathan, you're, you're right on this. They have no idea what's coming with Aquaman 2. They think people boycotted Ezra. They think people boycotted Blue Beetle. Amber Heard will draw a massive boycott. They have no idea what's coming because this is her first big movie since. I mean, the Johnny Depp stuff was more watched than all these movies could ever dream of being watched. The Netflix thing that just came out, you're talking hundreds of millions of people. And she is clearly the enemy of this. Like, I think that Warner Brothers is walking into something they, they're not ready for. Because it won't just be, we're not seeing it. It's going to be like backlash. Which is, but the first movie made $1.3 billion. So they're just like, we've got to, you know, Jason Momoa is awesome. They're relying yeah. on girls just going to see Jason Momoa with his shirt off. That's all they're relying on for this movie. And it's, that yeah. that's not a superhero audience. They're going to figure that right. out. Now, if she gets eaten by a fish in the first scene, if Amber <laughs> Heard gets eaten by, I will see this movie every day until, like, I'll support it until it's out of theaters. If a giant fish eats Amber Heard the first scene of this movie, I will stand up and cheer in my theater. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. So, <laughs> once again, another <laughs> mirror villain. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. It's the same thing, you know, like we were talking about taking all these comic book films, putting them in a blender. This is what worked in the past, so let's do it again. For once, maybe even occasionally more than once, it would be nice to see a villain that had a completely different set of powers, different look yeah. even, than our main protagonist. You know, wouldn't that be cool? Uh, that's like, a good point. I didn't even think yeah. about that. Maybe a, maybe a telepath versus well, it's the somebody. same thing again i've heard rumors that uh, and and i don't i don't know that this is confirmed officially but that the second the batman 
if that's how you would say it. The second the Batman is going to be Clayface. Did I hear that? I think I, I think I heard oh. that somewhere. Well, or, I don't know if that's true or not. Is, I mean, yeah, I don't know. But I, I heard something like I know that they were talking about Clayface at some point, and like that's like the perfect example. It's like we have done so many Batman movies where it's just another crazy maniacal guy on the other end. And yes, we love the Joker, and yes, we love the Riddler. But at some point, can we just have Killer Croc? Can we just have Clayface? Can we just have somebody completely different? When it comes to villains, you you really a lot of these people know that you only have so many shots with you maybe get one maybe two maybe three movies if people really like it and when that's the case that's why you've got to try to put your your number one villains out there that people are going to be familiar with but with blue beetle this is one of those things it was like we didn't necessarily need a blue beetle copy to be to be the villain because we actually aren't familiar with the character at all we don't know who his villains are yeah just Put somebody else out there. It just seems like every superhero movie, it's just like the anti whatever the hero is, that's what they're going to do. I had not even thought about that, but that is a a really bad problem in superhero movies right now that they're literally, they just use whoever is the opposite. It's, it's like the same, but opposite as opposed to thinking what would be compelling to see this person go up against like Batman Joker is of course, everyone's always going to use this as a reference, but Joker is like the great, opposition to Batman because he plays on his weaknesses. Batman has to be battle between becoming something he shouldn't be and doesn't want to be versus how do I stop someone like the Joker? Uh, same re reason the Batman with Riddler was really good because it was never... Technically, the Batman doesn't beat the Riddler. Like, it's not about that, which is interesting. But Blue Beetle, I hadn't even thought about it. It is literally just him in bad guy form. And then he's not really a bad guy. Mm -hmm, exactly. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, well... And that's something that bumps this movie down quite significantly for me personally is the ending of this film was almost like it took a few pages out of Batman v Superman's book with the whole Martha debacle. Save Martha! It's yeah. like, wait a minute. Oh, you're a really good guy that just got at a young <laughs> yeah. age. He was taken away from his family. He was a product of war and violence. And sure, you know, you've killed probably 40, 50 people. But at your heart, at your core, you're really a good guy. I'm going to shake your hand and you're going to become a good guy instantly. How about that? And everything just works out conveniently. And he blows himself up along with Susan Sarandon. You just made me hate this movie more. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my major like drawbacks with the film. Because had it I not think been it, for this, we would have been a 7.5 or 8 even if it had not been for this. I would have put it at like a 5.5 to a 6, but you just moved it to a 5 or a 4. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll shake your hand just like you know, Jaime Reyes did the villain at the end of the movie. Oh my gosh. Oh. There were some issues here. Don't get it twisted, but the special effects looked really good. That's one thing we can say. Being Marvel fans like we are, you know, seeing stuff like She-Hulk, some of the recent Marvel projects, Thor, Love and Thunder, the special effects in this, I really liked. And some people had complaints about how they took away the mouth whenever he was Blue Beetle. I actually preferred this look, you know, just the the straight, he's wearing a mask. You know, I think the mouth would have been a little weird and probably hard to pull off in the film. But I guess they said the same thing about Deadpool and Spider-Man eyes in the in the movies. When it comes to the just the hero itself, it was not a bad hero. This iteration is a very recent iteration of the character, right? I think it's like 2006 or something like that. If I remember correctly, I saw that Jim Lee did the original artwork for that, which is really cool. It's a beautiful looking comic book, just not a lot of people are familiar with it. Ultimately, it just it's just a compilation superhero. He had this suit like Iron Man. 
He finds a little trinket that turns him into a superhero, just like the Green Lantern. He has the crazy family like Kamala. When he's in the suit, he's kind of got the whiny voice like Tom Holland's Spider-Man. He goes up against the maniacal crazy villain that's like Lex Luthor. He's in love with the girl that's too good for him, like every superhero ever. He's obsessed with using non-lethal weapons like Batman is. He even has his Uncle Ben moment with his dad. I mean, there's so many different things that there's nothing original about this character. And that's kind of why I think people are going to be completely uninterested in it. They just have taken sections from other characters and put them all together and said, here's a superhero. Go love it. I feel like it was a a better movie than some of the movies that we've seen recently. I liked it better than Love and Thunder. I liked it better than Eternals. I liked it better than most of the recent Disney Plus stuff, for sure. We don't even acknowledge She-Hulk, Jonathan. I don't know why you do. We don't acknowledge She-Hulk. And uh, we definitely definitely don't acknowledge the special effects from She-Hulk. I will disagree with that just slightly i feel like the the special effects on the character were hit or miss there are scenes where they looked very good there were scenes where they looked very very bad and that's the difference in my mind between when disney focuses on something and when warner brothers focuses on something i would say overall i mean the movie was not a bad superhero movie that's what's a shame it's just the timing was terrible and there's really no clamoring for this character. I feel bad because I don't want to hate that. You know, the actor seems like a great kid. And I feel like a lot of the other people involved in this movie did all they could. But one of my biggest pet peeves is when these studios focus on these characters that nobody cares about and tries to turn everything into Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like, oh, well, nobody liked Guardians. Well, Guardians was surrounded by A-list heroes before and after And that's why Guardians was able to get the gravitas that it needed. It was fluid in a story with characters that everybody was familiar with. That's not where we're at with Blue Beetle. You're asking us to get involved in either ending a universe that nobody cared about to begin with or start a universe that has a bunch of characters like Booster Gold and all these guys coming down the road that nobody cares about. So either way, it's going to be a hard sell. And for me, you needed to do something a little stronger and a little more original in order to get people to buy into it. Could be Rachel Ziegler. (laughs) Oh, Rachel Ziegler is going to be the ultimate. I mean, Shazam too. I I got that early feeling about her. And then when I read that she didn't like that people criticize the movie, she said they just hated fun for criticizing Shazam too. I was like, oh no. And then now the Snow White and she's going to be in Hunger Games. Um, I'm, I'm really proud of myself. The first time ever I've gone to someone's specific Twitter page to be like, you know, like say something to them. And all I said was, you might be the reason, you know, the hunger games fails. It's getting some love on her page, which she'll probably <laughs> block me, but you know, that happens, I guess you said something interesting though. And if I'm going to have any hope for the future, the good news that James Gunn does have going for him is these absolute whatever's going on this year from Shazam to the flash blue beetle to Aquaman two, which is going to be, and in my opinion, the ultimate failure, I think it's going to make all these look great. I think that that's going to be the movie where it all falls apart. And then you get a little bit of a gap and you get Superman. The one good thing is the expectations are going to be so destroyed that if you do good with Superman, maybe you win people back. You don't want to follow Michael Jordan, but you do want to follow the person that just fell on their face and went, Oh, and 82 lost every game, you know, couldn't have done anything. Right. And so the strike could possibly help them a bit too. With there that, it, That's a good point. Break. It could help. It weeds out the, I, I don't want to say weak, but you know what I mean? Like in these extended periods, certain things that shouldn't get made, get canceled. Certain people that are cast for certain roles that shouldn't have been cast. And you hear them saying things and acting a certain way, they get fired it will clear out an opportunity for Warner Brothers, 
Whereas I think Disney has no opportunity. I will say that I have more hope for DC going forward because Marvel is just this mess that's just continuing. There's no end in sight because for every good project we get, let's say Loki season two is good. Well, the Marvels and Echo come out this fall. Uh, it's just like, okay, well, you can't step one foot forward without hitting yourself in the face. So I do have some hope for DC. Plus, we get the Batman 2 and Joker 2. There's some there's some interesting stuff coming out. The thing is, with uh, Marvel and DC right now, I think that they have reached a point where, you know, Bob Iger has been back for a little while now. I really, truly think that a lot of this stuff was coming from JPEG. I really do. I think that he was rushing out a lot of titles on Disney Plus. Maybe not Secret Invasion. That might have been in the pipeline already. I'm not sure. But yeah, definitely some of the stuff like Echo, I Am Groot, maybe even, even though that's not a terrible show. That's not a great example for what we're talking about here. But I think that Chapek was trying to just push a sheer amount of content. Iger might be the guy that he wants to hold Disney to a higher standard. I'm just trying to be as optimistic as I can because I love it. <laughs> but at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, I will I will believe it when I see it. And right now, like you're saying, I mean, the next film we got coming up, The Marvels. Oh, my gosh. I don't think that there's any universe that any variant of Jonathan could be even remotely excited about that film. That's the one film. I, I think I was more excited to go see Morbius in theaters than I am to go see that. I will go out on a limb and say that I will like this film substantially more. Than I like the Marvels, like not 100%. even oh, no, not a little bit, not a not a little bit more, substantially more. I will be shocked if I like the Marvels more than this film. Shocked, okay? You don't think it will surprise you? I hope they surprise me because mm -hmm. I, you know I'm a Marvel guy, Jonathan. Yeah, I hope they surprise me. Marvel has just gone down. The, I don't know if it's Feige. I don't know if it's the people that Feige has put in charge of creativity. But ultimately, both WB and Disney have decided to try to outsmart their audience rather than give their audience what every they're movie studio. Yeah, you know, rather than give their audience what they're looking for. They're trying to tell their audience what they're looking for. And yep. that, that is not landing, no matter which way you go, the DC universe or the Marvel universe, neither one of those. You want to know why the first Avengers film was so successful? It's because it's exactly what we expected. And yeah. superhero super, superhero fans are like that. We don't want big surprises. We don't want big heel turns. We don't want big, we don't want big changes in the story. We don't want big uh, continuity differences. We don't, we don't want all the different character changes and all the different you know we don't want all that we want exactly what we expect and we want to see it brought to life that's that's the difference between seeing what we do and seeing maybe some of these people that do fantasy and sci-fi and all that kind of stuff they, they try to approach it and say well we're going to give you something fresh with your old idea that's not what we want we want our old idea come to life that's what we want and they're not giving it to us one way or another either people are going to revolt with their money or they're just going to have to decide one way or the other that this is not what people want. Ultimately, that's kind of my big problem with the studio right now. So what do you guys think? If you had to rate this film on a scale from zero to 10, zero being awful, unwatchable, I never want to speak of this film again, and 10 being perfect in every way possible, where would you rate it? I'll say if I, was an, if I took myself out of my YouTube role and I was just a normal fan, that wasn't deep in the news and what's going on and reading people's Twitter comments and knowing what the actors are saying, I would say it's a six. Like I, if I went in just blank, I'd be like, this is enjoyable, but there's a lot I wish they had done differently. It's too long. That's my biggest number one. They, they didn't manage their time well, but me being 
the judgmental bone bridger I am, I would say a five thanks to you pointing out things that now have my blood boiling. So <laughs> it could be a three by the time we get off of this video or a one. Well, I'm glad I could do that for you. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think the people's champ, Tim? I'll give it a six as well. If you've ever got a weekend to burn where you've got a cold and there's nothing on TV and you want to see something to just burn a lot of time, uh, <laughs> go ahead and watch this. It's a good standard superhero film, but don't expect anything original. Don't expect an Oscar worthy performance from anybody. Don't expect special f effects that are going to blow your mind. It's just a fun little superhero film. I'll give it a six. You know, I would watch it again in a pinch. You know what I mean? If if there was somebody who had it on at their house, I'd be like, oh, Blue Beetle and sit down and watch it. But I would I ever like suggest, hey, everybody, let's watch Blue Beetle. Probably not. So yeah, I'll give it a six. It was okay. It was not terrible. Jonathan, I want you to know that I came here with a full pontification ready to like, destroy you for making me watch all these terrible movies for this podcast all the time but i didn't have to do that because it wasn't near as bad as i expected i left the theater without shooting myself in the head because of that we're going to give it a six by the way what he's referring to bone bridger is the fact that in the past i made him watch nick fury agent of shield starring david hasselhoff and that is wow. literally my, I have a whole list in my phone of every film ranked from worst to best. That is my number zero. It's at the very, very bottom of my list. I don't see that changing probably ever. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's going to be it forever. It's yeah. painfully bad, painfully bad film. But with all that being said, I actually gave this film a 6.5. And the reason I didn't okay. give it a six is because I think that this film, this may be controversial, but I have The Dark Knight Rises, films like that, Iron Man 3 in my sixth region. I think it's a little bit better than those films. Kick-Ass, the first Kick-Ass film. I think that this one's just a little bit better than, and that's my personal opinion. I really I love that it. you have this list, like that you know where they are. I still think that's one of the coolest things I know about you is that you have a list of where they are. Sometimes I'll take a look at the list and I'll reevaluate. You know, things shift ever so often. But that's where it's at right now. It's comfortably at a 6.5, kind of snugged in the middle there. Like I said, I enjoyed the family a lot. I thought that George Lopez, I thought he was fun. His character was really fun in the film. It's also highly appreciated that they paid respects to one of the founding Blue Beetles, you know, Ted Korg. The special effects I didn't have a problem with. The action I thought was really good. There was a lot of sequences where I had a, a really good time with the hand-to-hand -hand combat scenes. There was a lot of fun to be had here. At the end of the day, I did have some issues with how it ended very conveniently. But at the same time, my number one film of all time, The Avengers, ended very conveniently as well. Whenever they shot the nuclear warhead, warhead into the spaceship and all the aliens just conveniently died. So I give it a 6.5. It is worth mentioning, Jonathan, that they did leave this open-ended for a sequel by mentioning Jenny's dad. That is something as well that there might be down the road might be leading into the possibility that it might have just been kind of folding their hand a little bit that maybe James Gunn is looking to just keep this on. So we'll see. And Ted Korg is still alive. We found that out mm -hmm. in the post-credit scene. Mm -hmm. And Warner Brothers loves losing money, so they may not change that <laughs> philosophy ever. Well, there has been rumors that they could cast Jason Sudeikis, I think, as Ted Korg and possible. I mean, that's rumors. That's firmly right that now. That would be right on he, point with the comedy actor thing I was talking about. Like, and he's right expensive, on. and they love expensive actors. Like, if they're choosing, they're like, yeah, that guy. <laughs> 
Well, guys, thanks for joining me for this review of Blue Beetle. It's been fun. And until next time, have a good one.